Well, good morning. We're, we're going to see where this goes. <laughs> I, uh, you know, this morning, as soon as I woke up, I just uh, felt, you know, and I know a lot of times preachers can say these things for dramatic effect, and I pray that it's never anything I do, uh, but I just really felt the presence of the Lord when the moment my eyes opened this morning. And I kind of just asked the Lord, what is this? And he said, this is a supernatural grace that I'm extending in this season. And I just really believe that's for this house. There is a supernatural grace that we are going, and the only way I know how to say this is I feel like we're about ready to enter into things that we didn't earn, we didn't pay for, we don't deserve it. And I mean, you know, that's a real, that's about the whole thing summed up, but, uh, I really believe there's something significant about moving into the Rosh Hashanah this year. Uh, Rosh Hashanah is September the 15th through 17, and that's also the Feast of Trumpets. As most of you know, that is, we've taught, uh, we taught, touched base on the, the feast before, that if I would, if I would be a betting man, which I'm not, <laughs> I, I would, uh, I would say that I would think Jesus probably is going to come back in the Feast of Trumpets. I, I, I don't necessarily think it's this year could be, but I know that when the Feast of Trumpets gets close, I pray up <laughs> just to be on the safe side. <laughs> so, uh, so the Feast of Trumpets also starts at the head of the year, uh, Rosh Hashanah. And I really believe that, I mean, I have felt no inclination of anything recently. I mean, like, I feel like the, you know, the old adage that I grew up with, the heavens are brass, meaning like, where are you, God? I just, and just haven't sensed, you know, not that anything negative, just like you haven't, and then I just wake up this morning and you're going like, just like, there he, there he is. And, and you just realize it is a supernatural grace that he's extending and I really believe we were in worship this morning, and I, I just really feel like that City Church is at a tipping point. I believe that with all my heart. And I just seen uh, like a, a, a vision of, you, you know, the, the bowl that's in heaven. It says that it's the intercession of the saints. And I know there's some very uh, specific intercessors in this house that you've been praying. And I just even feel like the Lord is saying that to you as intercessors to encourage you that you have been praying for decades and that the accumulation of your prayers have not been in vain, but a tipping point is coming in this hour, in this season, says the Lord. And that tipping point will be poured out and that there'll be signs and wonders. There'll be shakings, there'll be thunders, there'll be lightnings and the things of the kingdom and the things of the throne room will be poured out upon us. As a body, I feel like the Lord is saying, I'm going to pour it out. I, I just, I, when we were worshiping this morning, I began to weep because I felt like the Lord was saying that we're entering into a time that even during the times that we worship, that there will be miracles that will break out in this place, that no one will even pray a prayer or lay a hand on anyone, but just in the, the atmosphere of worship, that there'll be an outpouring of the supernatural and it will be sheerly by the grace of Jesus sheerly by the grace of Jesus. I, I, you know, you know, you guys are getting to know me more. I am like weird. I, I, you know, if anybody would say there's a, I'm weird. I just, the weird way I think a lot of times, but I was thinking there is something years ago, I heard somebody talk about, there's a difference between 
uh, I went to Iraq, I think, last two years ago, and whenever, uh, there was a songwriter from the Nashville that went with us, and they talked about the difference between a, a young songwriter and a, a seasoned songwriter. And, and, and I was thinking this morning when we were worshiping, the difference is like when somebody's been married for three years and they want to give you marriage advice. <laughs> You're going like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. You know, like you haven't been through the... the you know, decades of, of toil and not, not that marriage is that, like, yeah, we're not making it that, like, no, the bliss of, so, okay, I dug a hole there, but anyway, I was thinking about that in, in just uniqueness of uh, our worship in this house is that, you know, pastor is a prolific songwriter, worship worship leader and such, but he's also been through the seasons of the years, and he's experienced the pain, he's experienced all the things that life has thrown at him, and, and now in, in the purity, there, you know, the reality is I, I, the Lord has blessed us in our ministry over the years that we were helped, that we got to help develop a lot of young worship leaders and such, but like when worship leaders in their 20s, they could be, I mean, they could have the spot on voice and be great musician, but they still got ego. It ain't nothing like time to get rid of ego, isn't it? Get rid of all that trying to perform and like, you know, trying to look this way and you got the right skinny jeans on or whatever it might be. But it, it, it's just sometimes there's certain things that only come from years of walking with the Lord. And there is something that's got to be unique in this hour that, yes, we say we want a youth revival, but the youth need the, the gray-haired people around them that have been seized in, in life and in the things of the Spirit, and that there's got to be a combination of those things. And the enemy has done everything he can to, to separate that in the church, where they say this is a young church and this is an old church. There shouldn't be a young and old church. There should be the church. And we need the zeal of the youth, but we also need the wisdom that has come from the years of walking with the Lord. And, and, and so God is trying to merge that together in this hour. So this morning, we're, I don't know what we're doing. We're, we're talking about the Word of God and the importance of the Word. And, you know, I have something that I prepared and was ready that I sent out yesterday. But this morning when I woke up, the Lord just began to download some things in my heart about the Word that... The things that I know, but he was trying to, like these pieces of a puzzle being put together, that I realized that it is actually the word of God is, is yes, it's the Bible, but it's also bigger than that. It is him speaking and him declaring, and that the connection of the kingdom and the connection of the, that dimension, that realm uh, of the kingdom, it, 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 it is the word of God that actually brings that connection the word is what connects me to heaven. The word is what connects me to the spirit. The word is what brings the declaration of that kingdom and brings that kingdom into this kingdom. And a lot of what we've done in church in America is tried to make everything, you know, fit in our little boxes that are so natural. But I'm telling you, there is nothing natural about the kingdom. It is supernatural. It's beyond the, this dimension. 
And the reality is, is that sometimes even when we approach talking about the word of God, you know, the, you know, as we said to B-I-B-L-E, yes, books, but we make it so natural instead of understanding that the word of God is supernatural. It, it is bringing, literally has the ability to bring that kingdom into this kingdom. And it merges him, his kingdom into our lives. And then we become carriers of that because we carry the word of God. And that's all we have to really build our foundation on. And so it was from the very beginning when the earth was, was without, was, you know, darkness had covered the earth. It was, it was, uh, it was without form. And it, the word, there's a word in there in the uh, Hebrew that means there was nothing but chaos going on. I haven't checked this because these are kind of semantical differences. I don't know if Pastor, what he looks, how he sees this exactly. But I believe that the fall of Satan actually was before the creation of Adam. And that there was already the imprint of the enemy on the earth and he was already here. That, you know, that, that's just my perspective of that. But what happened is that there was chaos, darkness, and the, the Lord, it says the spirit of the Lord came and hovered over the face of the deep. And that we see the, the Godhead, uh, the, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all involved in the, this creation. Because the Bible literally says, let us make man in our own image, in the image of God. And so when, when God was creating and God was making a, a change from the chaos and darkness and bringing the, the light into the, the situation of the earth, it says God spoke. He said, let there be. And, he, and it's, it, each time it says, and he said, and he said, and he said. And when he spoke, it brought the change in, in this dimension in this world, if you would, it, there was the ch- transition from darkness to light because he said, let there be light. So when we talk about the word, we're not talking about some just old oh, Bible and Bible. We're talking about the very essence of who God is. We talked about this two weeks ago that the word, it says that the word is inspired by God. The, the word inspired there is the word, the breath of God. God breathed the word. And so the word of God is actually the substance of who God is. And when we receive the word, we're not just receiving a word, we are receiving God himself. And that the, the ability of that word has the ability to bring transition in every dimension, in every way, if you would, from his dimension, his kingdom, into this one. That's why demons have to go. That's why sick bodies can be made whole. That's why miracles can happen. That's how there's even the transformation of someone whose spirit man, Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in trespasses and sin, but you've been made alive in Christ Jesus. It is because the word came, and in, in, from the word of God, it brought the transition in our life. Now, um, even the ability for us to get saved has to do with that. Rome, Romans chapter 10, it says that you believed it in your heart. This is what is so important. It's not just like, oh, I know the Bible, but do you believe it in your heart? Because when faith is mixed in your heart, it says then you confess. In my heart I believe, but then I confess with my mouth. It even says with my mouth I confess unto salvation. 
the, the, the confession brings me into salvation because I join the, by faith the word that God put in my heart. I believe that word. I'm stirring that word up by faith. Now I'm declaring that word. And when I declare it, when I confess it, I'm born again. My spirit man that was dead becomes alive because I confess what he said. And I stand in a place of faith declaring it. So you see the connection and how powerful it really is. And I was thinking about this. This is nothing uh, that I had studied. But I just when I woke up this morning, I was just thinking John chapter 1. Because we, we think about creation, the speaking. Uh, there's so much I was thinking about. That I could put you know, a whole other sermon together just like, like in a five-second download. Because then the word becomes established through the old covenant because of, of the, the law that was given to Moses. He actually even wrote words out on tablets. He wrote, he wrote, I don't know if it was in Hebrew. My, my guess is it, it was, but I don't know that. But God wrote words down on tablets, and he brought them down off the mountain. It had to do it all over again because man was down there worshiping a stupid calf, which sounds like the church today. But anyway, that, that we, we uh, so the word of God was established and, and what does the word establish in us? The whole reason the word was given, why was the law given? It was to establish that you are dead, that you have no ability to save yourself. There's no ability for you to be righteous. So the word established that. Paul says it became a schoolmaster, if you would. It, it, it identifies that we are dead in trespasses and sin. But what happened is now we, we see this exciting thing because this all comes together now. In John chapter uh, 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, in the beginning, listen, in the beginning, the Word already existed. He was with God, and He was God. He was in the beginning with God, and He created everything there is. Dropping down now, verse 14. So the Word became flesh, or in the New Living it says human, and lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen the glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father. So what does that mean? It means that there was a plan, when I, I got this this morning, because we all know that the Bible says that there was a plan even before creation, because the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth. That means before there was even the word spoken for the foundations of the earth to be, you know, to be put into place, there was already a plan. And the plan was the word of God. The plan was not just a Bible verse. It was not just the law. But it ultimately was to lead up to this moment when the word would, you know, what we have to understand, the word, uh, and I'll say this carefully, the word word in the Greek is actually the word spermata which is the word we get, it's the seed. So you have to understand that when the Virgin Mary had a womb, the word, the seed of God, God himself that was planted, that word was planted in the womb of, of Mary and that the word was birthed and came forth. And so the only begotten son of the Father is the Word of God that was already had a plan and was already in process before the foundations of the earth. That's why it says here that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
So when we talk about the word, it's not just like, oh, we got to get back in the Bible. Yeah, you do need to get back in the Bible. But what you need to understand is the whole, Hebrews chapter 11 says, the whole earth, the whole world is held together by the word of God. The reason why the sun doesn't slide and hit the moon is because of the word of God. And so that's why it's so important for us to understand that now that we become partakers of his glory, that the word of God, it says it's near you, it's even in your mouth. That the word of God's in your mouth so that when you declare it, you're actually connecting to the other, other world and you're bringing the fruit of who Jesus is into the natural, into this world. That's good, isn't it? I, I, I'm not even that smart, I swear to you. That was like a five-second download, and I'm thinking, like, wow, that was grace. Make a hillbilly look smart. I was thinking that the reality of this is even Revelation chapter 12, that when Jesus comes back, even how he's going to deal with the Antichrist, it says that there's a sword coming out of his mouth. He speaks the word, and he deals with the enemy. I mean, there is so much that goes together there because it says we don't even need the sun anymore. I don't even know exactly what that means, but he, is, he becomes the light. There is such an, there, we, what we understand about atoms and the you know, mission of light and those, all those kind of things, we have to understand we're just seeing a little fragment of what's in that other world, in the other kingdom. And, and the reality is, is this, is that one is more real than this one. And what happens is there, is there is a merging of those kingdoms together that was separated because of sin that you have to, let me put it this way, they make, you'll chew on this, you don't have to, I, I think about crazy stuff like this all the time. But actually there, that separation from this, uh, this world to that world happened when they were kicked out of the garden and the angel was placed there. I think there's a lot of deeper ramifications what's going on there. But what you have to understand is that Jesus died so that that separation could be done away with and he's coming back someday and there's a merging together of that word and this world that world and this world and it always being established by the word of God why do you think that the devil does everything he can to try to fight against the word of God why do you think it's been 50 years since they've allowed the word of God to be in schools? Why? Because the word when it goes forth it won't return void it will accomplish for that which it was sent for we were talking about this the other day, uh, Nicole and I, with that, they were talking about how the, the galaxies are expanding. That if all of what we know in the universe, that it's expanding, it's still growing, and there's, how's that possible? It's because he spoke the word and it's still going. It, it is not returning void, it's not coming back, it's keeping on going, and it's still, it's still creating. And, and what we, we have brought everything, you know, they try to, try to tell us that a couple atoms collided and made a big boom and, and then, you know, started out as a little amoeba and then became a frog and then got arms. And, come on, folks. That's a lot of faith there. That's a lot of faith. But what we have to understand, it is that God's word is that powerful that he spoke in everything that happens now. Everything that's going, it, it, it comes from that world. So what, why we understand so important when the Bible says in Proverbs that, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
that you're going to eat the fruit of it. So it is what is being declared in your life. That's why I'm not, don't get me, I'm not trying to be mean. I just hate being around negative people. Why? Because they have nothing but negativity and death and, and, and just the darkness coming out of their mouth all the time. And those words are creating an atmosphere. The words coming out of your mouth should be the word of God. Hide the word in your heart, then let it come out of your mouth. When you're faced with situations in your life, in your fam family, when all the other words want to come out, just stop yourself for a minute. Let the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring the word to your remembrance in the moment that you need it. I don't know what you might need in that moment, but the Holy Spirit can bring it to your remembrance. What should you do when it comes to your remembrance? You should speak it out. You should declare it. You should say it. The Bible says that you have... Whatsoever things you sayeth, I learned it in King James, sorry. But whatever thing, what, what's coming out of our mouths. And so the reality is when I've, when I've thought about this over the years, there, there's this important verse in, in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. It says, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, I love how it's so, he began to preach. When you preach, what are you doing? You're talking, you're speaking. You're declaring. I think the word preach in the, in the Greek is the word that we get herald. Like they used to call newspapers, you know. A herald means it declaring something. It's bringing the news, bringing understanding. See, we, it's, we are in a really messed up. All they talk about nowadays is misinformation, you know. So the government wants, wants to control misinformation and they're the greatest cause of misinformation. So what, what we have to understand is that the truth is what God says. His word. And, and we need to declare or preach this. Jesus was doing that. He began preaching, saying, and this is what he said. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. One translation says the kingdom of God is within reach. You can grab a hold of it. But what do you need to grab a hold of? You need to repent. How do you repent? The word repent is not what we often have been taught it is. It is a Greek word, uh, metam uh, metamorpha, metamorphosis, whatever. It's, it's a Greek word. It's Greek to me. Anyway, uh, it, uh, but it means simply this. It means to change the way you think. So I was thinking about that and pondering on it this week. It's literally that the Holy Spirit, the spirit man that's within me, is trying to affect my soul which is my mind, my will, my emotions, but he's trying to affect my soul that it will transition a way of thinking that is not according to the word and bring my thinking into alignment with what the word of God says. That's why when we read the word, study the word, allow the word of God to be soaked into our heart, what it should be ultimately doing is not me checking off that I did my devotions today. It should be transforming the way that I think. And when I'm transformed in the way I think, according to what Jesus just said, I'm all, all of a sudden able to access the kingdom of God. So what the, the, the word has the ability to do in areas of my life where my thinking will change, I will repent, my thinking changes, I'm able to access a dimension of the kingdom of God that I was not able to access before the revelation of that word came. So the revelation of that word causes me to access something that I did not have access to. And what God is saying is he wants to bring his word to you and to your life. And no one can do it for you. 
your husband, your wife, no one can do. But he wants to bring the word of God to you so that it, it causes repentance. Meaning that causes the way you think to change. And then all of a sudden, there's areas of the kingdom that you're able to access that you were never able to access before. And we declare that over our lives. That we're going to begin to access things of the kingdom. That this church is going to be able to access things of the kingdom that we have not had access to prior. Or at least not to the dimension he desires. So, how do we, how do we have our minds renewed? It is the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So the things of the kingdom of God, things of the word of God, they are a mystery. They confound, they don't fit in the natural understanding. Right? The wisdom, that's why he even says things like the preaching of the cross is foolishness to the world. Like, what does him dying on a cross? But when you have the revelation of it, and you go, wow, the cross, and you get, understand what the cross means, that's when you start crying. You're going like, oh my goodness. Because I had a revelation of the cross. And so the things of the kingdom can often look foolish, contrary, or weird, or, you know, to the world. And often Jesus even wrapped those mysteries up in scripture, especially when he was teaching Jesus himself in what we call parables. And so, but the whole purpose of of the kingdom to bring transition in your life is through the word of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Jesus, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, listen to it. We're going to look at this parable real quickly, and I'm not going to probably read the whole thing. But in Mark chapter 4, I encourage you to go home and read it. It's the parable of the sower, the sower of the seed. And listen to what Jesus says here. If he, you know, if he says something like this, I think maybe we should take a little bit of notice. He says, you will not understand all the other parables if you don't understand this one. He is absolutely highlighting this one. He's emphasizing it. He says, if you want to understand the other, start here. This is what you got to understand. So Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower and the and let me, uh, let me drop down verse 2. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered it across the field, some of the feet, uh, seed fell on the footpath. And the birds came along and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil where, uh, where underlying there was rocks. The seed sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the, the plants soon withered away in the hot sun since it didn't have any deep roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns. They grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew. And a lot of you know this, 30, 60, and 100-fold. Then he said, anyone who hears, uh, who has ears to hear, should listen and understand. Isn't that crazy how he's saying this? If you... To have ears to hear, to listen and understand, because he's really not talking about a farmer and seeds. He's talking about something way bigger, way deeper. Later, when Jesus was alone, the 12 disciples, of course, they gathered around him and asked, what did you mean by that parable? You said it was so important for us to understand. Verse 11, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders. We, we, there's so much we could unpack so that the scriptures might be fulfilled when they see what I do they will learn nothing 
when they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they would turn to me and be forgiven. Well, isn't that what we want? Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come along at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but they too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life, by the lure of wealth and the desire of things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100-fold. Now, let me just kind of go forward here. Mark chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he said to them, To you it has been given known the mysteries of the kingdom of God. What we have to understand is that the word of God has the ability to bring the mysteries of the kingdom to your life, and that understanding happens. And then there's a transition of your mind. How many have ever read a Bible verse, maybe for 20 or 30 years, and then still had the moment that you read it for the 15th time, and you read it, and you're going like, where was that at? I've never seen that before. That all of a sudden, there becomes, by the revelation of the Lord, you see something that you never seen before. And what happens when, what you got to understand is that is the moments of the kingdom of God that are very personal to you. That all of a sudden, when that revelation happens, a way of thinking is changed, and you are repenting in that moment. And then what happens? All of a sudden, I have access to the kingdom in a place that I never did before. And so, so just real quick, look at the picture. Why is this important? Because when we talk about the word and we talk, you know, the importance of it, let's bring it down now to us personally. I've got to receive the word of God. I've got to do whatever, whatever I got to do that is preventing the word from penetrating and coming into my life. I got to remove those things so that I can receive the word because it is life to me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. It's the revelation that comes from him. That's why Jesus was getting so jacked up with and, and excited about Peter when Peter said, you know, you're, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus, I can't imagine, Jesus is going like, blessed are you, man. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. There was a revelation that came from the Father. It changed the way that he was thinking, and he didn't even realize how much it had affected and changed him. Because Jesus was saying, who are people saying I am? And they go, well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say Elijah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, well, yeah, all that don't matter. Who do you? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then he, re he says, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And all of a sudden, Jesus then just says, you're blessed, man. The Father revealed this to you. And then some, you know, they, not to be in any way, but they use this next part, what Jesus said, 
to create actually is the foundation for why there's a pope. But he says this, he says, on this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. It doesn't mean that Peter was becoming the first pope. What it means is this, is if you build on the revelation of who Jesus is that has been given to you by the Father, there's nothing hell can do to stop it. And that's what we need to come back into a place where we understand the Word of God. The Word of God is bringing the revelation of of who uh, Jesus is to us from the Father and that we're able to then defeat the enemy. Okay, the understanding of this parable. The sower that's sowing the seeds, it's God. We can make it more complex, but it's just, it's God. The seed is the word. Part of that even is understanding that the word is made flesh and dwelt among us. The field is the world. What you have to understand is the seed is being cast to the world. All who wants to accept, all who wants to receive it, the word uh, is being sown throughout the field, throughout the world. That's even the picture of when Jesus comes back. It's when the whole world, part of the the prophecy in in Matthew chapter 25 is when the whole world is heard. And we hear all this, you know, TBN when they raise money. Is, you know, we still got this part of the world that doesn't have the gospel yet or something. But but the, the part of it is that that's why we send missionaries. And why? Because they're, so, they're throwing the seed. That's the reality. You have no ability to, to get anybody to, to, you know, take care of the seed. You can disciple people and stuff. But the seed's going to have to be their responsibility, partly. Well, greatly. But then, then it talks about the soil in that parable. And the soil, soil is our heart. I, I did a study on this years ago, and whenever you see the word heart in the Bible, you can't decide whether it's the soul or the spirit. This is what I found. Like, I read one place, and it'll talk about the heart, and, you, and you're thinking, well, that's the soul. That, you know, mind, will, or that's the spirit. And what I, what, this is what I truly believe, is when you understand in the context of biblically what the heart is, it is that which connects the soul and the spirit. And so out of the heart flows. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. <laughs> That's why I always say, you hang around a person long enough, you'll find out what's in their heart. Why? Because their mouth will give them up. They can, might be able to guard it for a little while, but if you're hanging around them all the time, it's going to come out. And so I, I looked at... James chapter 1 verse 21 and it says receive with meekness look what it says receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul so I'm humbling myself because sometimes the, sometimes the word isn't like yeah yeah sometimes the word is like oh ow 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 but what do I do I humble myself with meekness and I receive the implanted word and then this is what comes from that in verse 22 but don't but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Why? Because when I truly believe it and I receive it, then it, it, it is transforming the way I think and therefore is changing what I do. So the sower is God and God is not in question. The seed is the word. The word is not in question. But the condition of the soil is in question. The only thing that was different in this entire story, each one of these seeds, 
as their planet wasn't the word and it wasn't the sower, it was the, the, fertile, uh, the soil. So the soil is the condition of your heart. What is the condition of the soil? And a lot of you go like, well, I'm fertile, good soil. Well, you know, some days you may be and some days you may not be. The reality. Well, I've been saved for 40 years. Well, I, I can tell you, and during the time that I've been serving the Lord, I've gone through some seasons when the soil wasn't as fertile as it should have been. Sometimes I look more like some of those other places and other types of soil. But the soil simply means this in that parable, that why Jesus said it was so important. It determines your receptivity to the word of God. So the wayside is a, is a pathway, meaning it's been walked on, hardened, and so the seed can't penetrate. How many know we need to get rid of all the hardness and the things that are causing us not to allow the word of God to penetrate? The stony it, it's talking about the trials, the tribulations, the troubles, that you're, you receive the word at first with joy. And I, I, you know, pastoring all these years, I've seen a lot of people like that. They get the, they're the, often the loudest one in church. Woo, yeah, yeah, receive it. And then, you know, two weeks later, pastor, I'm not doing good. You know, what, and what happened is that they, they, they allow the, the troubles and the trials and the difficulties not to let the word of God get planted. The thorny ground, is when the cares of life, the deceitfulness, trying to go after that money or career or what the world has, all the things, it causes you to be unfruitful. It chokes out the other stuff. If you think about your garden, the reason you pull out the weeds because they're fighting for the same soil that your good plant is. So, and then the good one is that we're going to be fertile soil. How many want to be fertile soil? Amen. And, and this is the picture the fertile soil is one that fights the lies of the enemy, endures trials, priorities are in proper perspective and proper place, and their desire is after the king and the kingdom. So the fertile soil, this is how you make it produce. You receive the word, you accept the word, you guard the word, you nurture the word. How your heart receives the word is the greatest key to life. Let me close with this last slide. The soil condition in our life can change. We can let it change for the worse or for the better. For the worst usually comes because of hurt, pain, betrayal, rejection, anger, selfishness, lusts, desires, all these kind of things. They begin to change the condition of the soil. But you can change it also for the better. The Holy Spirit can make and help that soil be changed for the better. No matter what season you are in, it will soften your heart, soften the soil, make your heart strong, make your heart fixed. That means you're, you're set on doing what you need to do. It's like the washing of the word, the washing of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to do that. We're not gonna stand here or sit here in guilt or shame or condemnation. We're just going to do something about it. And I pray in Jesus' name that today that we would do a true, honest, meek evaluation of the soil of our heart. Is the soil of our heart fertile so that the Word of God can germinate and bring forth fruit?
even a New Testament concept is let there be fruit of repentance. If I truly change the way I think, there'll be fruit from it. Because the kingdom of God is in reach. Lord, we just open our hearts, our lives, to the word that comes from heaven to earth. Let your kingdom come, your will be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.